This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I'm back with uh, Mike Goosby, he's a sergeant from LAPD K-9 unit. We're going to talk a little more. Last uh, episode, we talked about kind of an overview of their K-9 unit. We're going to go a little bit deeper into kind of how they set perimeters, how what their success rate is, and uh, how they sp- uh, compromise with their search teams, how they how they do just their basic uh, stuff. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing really good. I appreciate jumping on, and uh, for those of you for those of you that uh, heard the last uh, episode, we had mentioned Mike's going to be teaching for us this year uh, at Hits in uh, Phoenix. We'll be middle of August. We'll be in uh, Phoenix. It's HitsK9.net for the information. You can see Mike's bio on there and kind of get an overview of the class he's going to be teaching. But it'll be a obviously a, a deeper uh, class than what we're going into with some videos and PowerPoint uh, stuff. To, so if you like this topic. It's k9.net to get all the information. Maybe we can see you out there in uh, Phoenix and meet Mike in person. So I appreciate, uh, Mike, that you jumping in. I know you're a busy guy, so uh, taking the time to, to share this. But you guys have a lot of experience just based on your workload and you know the history of your unit and stuff. So I think it's really good experience. So I'd like to talk today, um, maybe start with, you, and you touched on it in our last episode, about doing the roll call training, but there's a culture in your department about setting perimeters. And maybe if you can kind of explain that, because I think that obviously has a, a ton to do with the success of your canine unit. Absolutely. So our department is very, like I said before, in the last uh, cast, is very entrenched in tradition and discipline, you know, and everything has got to be organized. And our department has a policy that came out a while back of officers shall chase to contain as opposed, uh, instead of it should should that shell should chase to contain, instead of chasing to apprehend. So that basically means that within the first 25, 30 feet, you can't put hands on this suspect. You need to start setting containment up. And our department views a perimeter as a tactic. And so, if you get a use of force, let's say you get a use of force, and some bad things about that use of force, one of the things they're going to go over the use of force review board is going to be your tactics and. If you have the ability to set perimeter as opposed to running blindly around the corner, you know, and why you didn't you set the perimeter, that's going to be part of your findings. So our department is really entrenched on, you know, perimeters. It's been that way for years. So that's that's the first thing. That's where our success as a canine is built from. If we don't have proper containments, we're not going to have good, good fines. So with that, I, I like the it's holding officers accountable that, you know, if they're if they're doing bad tactics, they're going to have to answer for it. And and. Obviously, Absolutely. we're we're all dog handlers, so we we know perimeters and and slowing things down and going and catching the guy on our terms is is the right way to do it. So I don't think there's too many departments who push it to the you know almost a policy like you guys do. But I think it's some. If you're listening to this podcast, maybe start thinking about is there anything we could do on that because it it shouldn't be important as to who puts hands on this guy. It's just it's the cops versus the robbers, and I think we're all one team. And I think people lose track of that. I know that. Uh, you know, the different sometimes specialized units, if you have, you know, whatever, street crime units or gang units or whatever, I think sometimes they they, they want the stat of putting cuffs on somebody. And I don't think that's a, a healthy, healthy way to do business. 
Well, no, it's not a safe way. You know, and, and the thing about perimeters, you know, because I get around a lot and I talk to different canine units and uh, some of their 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 likes and their dislikes. And I think the biggest thing that I hear all the time, the most prevalent thing, is that their departments, their officers won't set containments. You know, this yeah. sergeant will, that sergeant won't. This guy will, yeah. that guy won't. Well, that has to be the culture of the department. Yep. Well, it won't work. It has to be yep. the culture. And in order for something to be the culture, it's got to be supported by the command. The command has to push it down. Culture yep. only exists because the command allows it. Whether it's a good culture or a bad culture, it's because the command allows it. It's just like our dog. They have they have good conditioning. They have bad conditioning. Whichever one I allow is what the dog's yeah. going to be. <laughs> so it's the same thing, you know? Exactly. It's got to be so, the culture. So on that note, so now you have you have roll call training to help them with it. They have a, basically a, a a pretty clear policy that they need to start thinking containment. So I and I, I hear the same thing. We're we have a in my city, it's it's almost a straight grid, and we have a lot of cops. So to set a perimeter in my city isn't too hard. I know you guys have a lot of cops, and you have a you don't have the crazy suburban street system that that are as bad as some places. So I've heard it hundred percent. You've heard it that when you start talking about this, uh, that a lot of uh, can officers will say, well, that's all well and good, but we don't have enough cops to set a perimeter. How do you, how do you address that? Well, so the first thing I always say is that number one, you have to operate the world you live in. So what I mean by that, you know, in our world, perimeters are the answer and some rural worlds, the containment might not be the answer. It might be more of a tracking thing. And I understand that. But we've t- I've taught units in different agencies how to set a perimeter using two officers. You know, and you can do that. And you can do it safely. The, 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 and the, the key to doing it safely is that those two officers have to hold their mud. They got to stay disciplined and stay in their position. No matter what's going on, if the suspect moves, okay, let's move our positioning and our containment to adjust to that. But you can't drop your spot and go running in and chasing that, chasing that officer, chasing that suspect. That's the thing. You know, years ago, we got uh, we got called to a department in the Midwest. And uh, they had a situation where they were certain there was an armed suspect and uh, some shots had been fired and they had a pursuit. The suspect jumps out. He runs. And instead of setting perimeter, one of their officers who happened to be a uh, also a part time SWAT guy. Puts equipment on. I'm going to go look in his yard for this guy. Well, he goes around the corner. The guy's lying in, lying in wait, and it's also takes a round in the, in the head, and he dies. They got a hold of us. They asked, had us come down and asked us to do some, tra- some containment training with them. And they had enough officers to do it. They had enough teams to do it. And so we go down there. We do the training with them. And as we're training, they have a real live scenario take place, a real-world scenario takes place. And we're able to see it from the, the downlink from the airship. And their only issue was lack of control. We had a search team going through some brush, every brush with a dog in front. You can see them on, infra- on the uh, infrared. They're going through with a flur. And then you see another individual walking towards them. And this individual has a, what appears to be a long gun. And the airship is telling them, hey, your suspect is coming right towards you. He's got a rifle. Be, on your, be, uh, be ready, this, that, and the other. Well, it turns out it's another officer. Yeah. You know, and those are, those are things that happen. Yeah. You know, and so the, the first thing you got to do for the perimeter is you have to establish command and control. You got to get a command post. You need a command post where everyone checks into the command post and everyone checks out of that command post. Yeah. Because at that command post, you're going to get a job. This is your job at this incident. 
So all you can do is be responsible for your job. Do your job. Exactly. exactly. And I think going just back a little bit, going back to, you know, two officers can contain people. And that's why I always tell people is when I talk about area search classes, it's like two can two can contain a block or two blocks if you have to. Absolutely. But it goes back to if that first guy is running around and he's out of breath and he doesn't know where he is and he won't give out a good location, he keeps chasing the guy, well, now everybody's got to go in to find him. You yes. can't you can just ignore him and try and set a perimeter when you think a cop's in trouble in some unknown yard. So Absolutely. it starts with the very first cop should be thinking containment. And if he yes. says he's lost a suspect here, but I'm going to hold here, so I need a car opposite me, right. you can start doing it. And you don't have to have a, a 10,000 cop department to set a perimeter. I, I know that for a fact. And I think that goes, I think that defeatist mindset um, of we don't have the resources to do those things right is sometimes prevalent in um, our profession. I see it, you know, like, well, that's that's Disneyland, but I work in this world. So, you know, there's two dogs and and a hundred cops. So we we don't have those same tactics. And I don't I don't really buy that. I don't think you do either. No, because here's the deal. We have 10,000 officers, but if my partner and I are rolling around working, we don't have 10,000 officers riding the trail with us. Exactly. Okay, so if we get a runner, <laughs> we, it's he and I, or she and yeah. I, and we have to set that containment up and at least hold it for the first two minutes until our first additional unit gets there. Yeah. Because everyone else has their thing going on. So yeah. all of a sudden, in the middle of everyone, everyone's things that are going on, I come on the air and announce I'm in foot pursuit, and I have a suspect running, and I give my location out. Everyone has to stop what they're doing. Either they're in the station right. on reports, they're on other radio calls. They got to stop what they're doing, jump in their cars, start listening to what I'm saying, and start painting that picture of where they need to go from our perimeter. Well, before you know it, a minute, 30 seconds has passed by already. Yeah. So if I haven't started my containment process with my partner, we're not going to find this guy. We're going to exactly. lose him. So, yeah, you still, we have to be self-sufficient for at least the first two minutes. We teach that to our own guys. Exactly. You know, so I think I think that's one of the the mindsets that hopefully maybe people that are listening to this can start realizing that you know unless they are truly a two man sheriff's department in the middle of nowhere, which right. they do exist, absolutely. Unless they're in that situation, there are some resources that they can kind of change and, and evaluate what they're doing and and figure out could we actually get one? Because you know maybe if you work in a smaller city, you might have fewer cops, but you don't have L.A. traffic. You don't have uh, no. you know, some of the other challenges. So so they might have a little further to drive, but they're going to have a wide open road to get there. Right. You don't, so, have, you don't have LA traffic. You don't have the population that's out there in that neighborhood running around to yeah. get them contained and see where the suspect's running amongst all of them. All those things come to play. Exactly. So so everybody's got their challenges just because you have, you have, you know, you're, you're fortunate and your department probably have more resources than, you know, 99% of us. Without a doubt. Uh, um, but you also have a lot of challenges. Like you said, no, if nothing else, all the people you have on foot, all the locked fences you have, there's plenty of other, there's, there's different challenges. So um, it goes back to, you know, like I said, I, I see sometimes or talk to people and they're like, well, we can't do that. I think most of the time, if you start thinking it out before you need it of ways, you know, what, what can we do? How can we do some, some uh, training with our troops? How can we start thinking about perimeters and how can we practice setting a, a perimeter on and some of those blocks look like someone threw spaghetti on a map and and traced around it for all these goofy curvy blocks but right. even those 
you can you can put cops in the right areas, and then on those places, a lot of times citizens will start being your perimeter because they'll start calling in for you when absolutely when people are moving through. So you just keep adjusting the perimeter uh, based on what citizens are doing. So I just wanted to get that out there that um, you know when we talk about perimeters, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, maybe not perfect, but there perimeters can be set. Absolutely, and cool. and why not try? Exactly. Yeah. And then, then um, obviously, you guys uh, don't do a lot of urban tracking. I know you go yard to yard, um, which is you know basically how we operate too. And that's based on you know where where you work. And if uh, if my perimeter was going to be, you know, two farm fields, then I'd be a tracking dog. But Absolutely. if you're working working in a uh, urban environment, you can set a, a decent perimeter. Then obviously, a, you know, a, a yard to yard search. So can you kind of explain that? You know, we've, we got the perimeter set, say it's a, a one block by two block perimeter. Um, it's nice and tight. They've called you. Walk me through how you guys uh, operate from, from that point forward. So the way we operate from that point forward, uh, either the airship has gotten a hold of us or we've heard the, the perimeter going up on Air K-9 and we start rolling that way. Uh, we get there, we uh, go to the command post, I go, as if I'm uh, the sergeant on, I go to the uh, incident commander, who's usually a sergeant or a lieutenant for that area. Generally, it's a field sergeant. I go to the incident commander, and I garner canine criteria. What is your suspect outstanding for? What do you plan to arrest him for? I ensure we have criteria. The handler goes to the primary officers and finds out what they had and what they did. And there's, there's a couple reasons for that. I don't go to the primary officers and ask them questions because I'm a sergeant and they're officers. So my expectation, if I go to them, is that they're going to give me a policy and procedure answer. They're yeah. going to tell me, well, sergeant, just so you know, um, the suspect ran. He hopped that <laughs> fence. I set my position here and I held. My partner was 10 feet and two inches away from me <laughs> because he had the ability to render aid to me and handle containment yeah. at the same time. <laughs> He's giving me all that crap. Okay. So yeah. the handler goes and talks to him. Okay, so what happened was this, man. The guy took off on us. My partner saw the gun. My dumb partner jumped out and started running from him. And I'm yelling at him, hey, man, set up perimeter, set up perimeter. Yeah. He goes, but I had to go because my partner's going now. So I jump in the car. He goes, uh, I come around. I don't see the suspect, but I almost run over my partner. He runs right in front of my damn car. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're telling all it's these a real stories. Story. <laughs> exactly. But the real story is going to give us the idea on how we need to now deploy our dog. And what area yeah. we need to start our dogs in to, to uh, help us get the quickest success and safest success. So that's why we had a primary guy talk to the handler and let the handler know exactly what they did. They said, yeah. As a supervisor, when you go to talk to that supervisor, what is your deployment criteria? What do you, what, what do you need to have before the dogs come out of the car? Uh, for us to pop doors open and say revere, we need to have uh, any suspect that's reasonably believed to be armed and or any felony. Uh-huh. That's our criteria. If he's reasonably believed to be armed and or outstanding for any felony, we're going to search for that suspect. Okay. And uh, it used to be years ago, it had to be what's the suspect going to be booked for. But that kind of threw us in a little uh, circle of, of uh, problems because oftentimes what the suspect's arrested for is seen changes when you get to the station. You sure. talk to the watch commander, talk to detectives. Well, that, that arrest charge changes. So now... Yeah. Based on what this supervisor there has and good fit, what are you planning to arrest this guy for putting handcuffs on him for right now? Yes. And they tell us, and then we jump off the dogs and go search. So now you've, you've met your criteria. You've got the good information, the perimeter set. Um, tell me about how you put your search teams together. We talked in the first episode about 
how you kind of pick which dog goes where. Right. Uh, but you might, might expand so, on that. Right. So now the, they look at, they have a dry erase board there and they have the perimeter set up. They have it drawn out, the blocks and everything. And they have usually have a red or green X where the suspect was last seen. The handlers all look at that and they kind of get their desire, decide okay, how we're going to deploy dogs. Generally on a one block perimeter, depending on what the suspect is wanted for, you know, in the side of the block, we're going to put at least two dogs. Oftentimes, when we have four dogs there, we put four dogs on it. And the reason why is because we know that, that patrol division is dropping radio calls and things of that yeah. nature while they're on that perimeter. So again, customer service, we want to get them either the best business we can possible. Yeah. Now, yeah. if it's a suspect that's been involved in a shooting or a murder suspect or armed robbery suspect, we may say, hey, you know what? We're going to use two dogs and put more all canine search teams out. Yeah. Put more hounds on each search team, so for safety factor, tactics-wise. But generally, it's a, if it's, a say, a stolen vehicle suspect, we're going to put four dogs on that, parent, on that block. The officers will decide, the handlers will decide who's up, and that person's going to pick where they're going to go, and then the other handlers there will decide where they're going to go to backfill. So now, then once that's done, they're going to go ahead. I tell the incident commander, okay, I got four dogs going out. I need, uh, I need, I need 12 guys from you. They're going to so give me 12 guys. Each guy gets three, each guy gets three cover each guys. Each guy gets three cover guys. Exactly. I'm going to need 12 guys from you. And so the incident commander will say, hey, either say, okay, I have that for you right now. Or, hey, I don't have that many bodies. Uh, then I need to have the airship get a hold of other units outside our division that sends some bodies over for us. We do that all yeah. the time. We hold for a yeah. minute. Airship gets in the air. He has units from a nearby division roll in to help backfill for search team members. Yeah. We will then, uh, the handlers will then take their respective search teams and they're going to give them a search team briefing. They're going to explain to their search team what each individual person on that search team, their job is. You have a point officer. You're going to be my point officer. What you're responsible for is you're my designated cover officer. You are my protection while I'm searching with my dog. As my dog is working, I'm watching for any subtle signs that he may have interest or see he's getting sent, or I'm looking to see where I want to send him. I'm looking ahead to see if there are any hazards that he has to come across. I'm working my dog. I'm watching my dog. You are watching everything in front of me. If someone pops up in front of us and starts putting hot rocks down range, it is your job to return hot rocks to that person. You're my protection. Wherever I go, you go. And if I'm going to go into a, a, a yard, if I'm going to go to a room or to a garage, you're going to push your way in front of me because you're my cover officer and you're going to go in front of me. I'm going to be behind you watching my dog. So we're real strict on that. Yeah. Everyone has a yeah. job. And then we yep. explain, they explain to the other two, you two are rear guards. Your job is to watch every area, high, low, where the dog is not searching. Yep. You're going to watch those things. You're not going to do any independent searching. There are no independent contractors on this team. This is a team. That means that whatever we do, we all do together. If you see an area that you're not happy with a dog cleared, you don't feel safe with it, you let me know. We're going to hold fire, and then we're going to address it again. And, if and I do wanna... any of the handlers ever get upset when they say, can you run your dog back in that corner? No, not at all. Because this is, here's yeah. the deal. We're a team going downrange. Yeah. Okay? We sent four officers and a dog downrange. Our expectation is that that four officers and that dog all come back to go home. Yep. So everyone has to be comfortable on the search team. Yeah. If you don't think my dog clears something to your liking, we'll clear it again. Because here's a kiss of death. Okay? This is where we go back to humility we talked about before. Yeah. Let's just say that officer did have an issue with it. And they might have saw that my dog went in and didn't do something or, or just they don't like they, they got a weird feeling about it. We go back in there and all of a sudden we find some evidence. We find out, oh, the dog yeah. didn't get all the way in here. And now there's a suspect there. Let's say yeah. you don't do that. That suspect is there. We have exactly. a problem now. 
Exactly. Everyone on the team has equal say. Now, as a handler, the handler's going to control the search and send the dog where he needs to send it, all that stuff. But if it comes to tactics and it comes to clearing things, we all have an equal say. If you're not comfortable with something, then you tell us, I'm not comfortable, and we're going to address it. Yeah, I always try to set that with uh, people when I was, you know, on a on team. Even when I knew, you know, I felt very comfortable. My dog had been around something. If they said, "Hey, can, you know, can we double check that," I, I'd, I'd encourage that and I'd thank them for it because you know I wanted them to feel very comfortable about saying, "Hey, can you go back and check that?" And uh, it's it's all about catching the bad guy. You're getting the buy-in, and yeah. the the only way you're going to be successful in any endeavor, especially in police work, is if you get the buy-in of the individuals that are on the team. Yep. If everyone exactly. is all bought into it, hey, this is the way to do things. Yes, this is the safest way to do it. Then that's what's going to happen. If yep. you get there and you're the big time canine handler and they're just my, you know, you're my backup, you're yeah. right behind me or whatever, and there's not much fun to this for them, guess what, man? You're not getting that buy in. They're not going to call you. Yourself. Right. Yeah. They're not going to call you. Yeah. They're going to do it themselves. Yep. They're going to do it so themselves. So, what, what are you doing for communication at that point, too? Okay. So, Which, for communication wise, is that uh, we get there. Generally, before we get there, the airship is keeping everyone on a base frequency. They're on a base frequency because they want everyone to hear what's going on. They want to set the perimeter containment locations. They want to put units where they need to put them. The airship is over here looking for holes in the perimeter, and they're putting bodies there, putting cars there, and they're setting the perimeter up. Once everything is set and this perimeter is, is contained, the suspect is, is thought to be contained, then the airship's going to say, okay, are you ready to buy a tactical frequency? And then commander will say, yes, let's do that. Airship are going to go into communications. Air 3 to a control. We need a tax frequency for 77th Division. At that point, the communications, our dispatchers, will give us a separate frequency only for that perimeter. Everyone switches their radio to that tactical frequency. That means all the radio calls, all the other stuff that goes on in the world in that division, we're not hearing now because we're only talking yeah. about what's on this perimeter right now. And then anything pertaining to the perimeter. Now, mind you, there are going to be people we're making phone calls about the peri- about the perimeter yeah. the communications. Yeah. Hey, I hear something in my backyard, or I hear yeah. this. So the RTO the, or the dispatcher is going to come into our frequency periodically. Uh, units that's at, at five four and Broadway be advised for a call at one two three four West Broadway. Yeah. So she's going to give us that information back and forth. Yeah. All right, and then we have one other frequency, which we call the admin frequency. And don't get me wrong, I know a lot of places can't do this. You're just asking yeah, how sure, we do sure. it, and this is our this is, we have an yeah. admin frequency. That admin frequency is everyone on the perimeter puts one. They put to one. They put one radio on the admin frequency. That's for the incident commander to talk to his unit. He can find out who's hot, who's who's tired, who's on overtime, who's this. Anything that he needs to talk about that's not tactically yeah. related to this perimeter, he can talk to yeah. an admin frequency. We only yeah. want anything as far as the suspect's movements, canine searching, or anything that has to do tactically that perimeter on the tact frequency. I think one of the big things is, is that you're right. Maybe a, a department can't, doesn't have that luxury of doing all that, but whatever the communication is going on, I think one thing that is real important is that when they start talking about the prowler in, in the fourth house up on the right, those two perimeter units don't jump out of their car. And go check. Exactly. Exactly. Even if they see the suspect start moving in the yard, they can't go running in because if they run in, they're going to, they're going to, by proxy, yeah. give it the containment location. If he doubles yeah. backs on them and runs out of there and their containment location is gone now, then yeah. we're screwed. So, and, and here's the thing though, and so getting back to how we kick off. So we give our search team our briefings. We talk to our search team members that they know their jobs, do's and don'ts, what to expect the dogs on the bite, 
what to expect when a dog comes off the bite, what to do if the dog gets into a fight with the suspect, the handler attempts to fight, all those things. And then we give our canine search announcements. Our search announcements are for the suspect and for the citizens in the area. Sure. So we give our announcements. And every one of our black and white patrol cars has the announcement uh, program into the MDC. So all the black and whites play the uh, announcement over their uh, PA system into the perimeter. And then the airship gives one, two from above. And all these are done in English and Spanish. And then there's a separate announcement that goes out. And this is the most important announcement, in my opinion, of the whole thing. This announcement is put out by the canine handlers to the units on the perimeter. And that announcement explains to them what they should do if the suspect starts moving, if they see the suspect, what they should not do, so on and so forth. If you hear shots fired, what we need you to do, what we don't want you to do. All those things come out to play before we even kick the dogs off. So now everyone is on the same sheet of music and has an idea what's going on. And now the search team to go to their area is going to kick off and they kick their dogs off the search. And regarding the announcements, um, when I talk sometimes, because as you know, there's some agencies that aren't doing uh, announcements for perimeters or something for some strange reason. But I know sometimes when I talk about it, well, I don't want all the citizens coming out and I don't want, you know, the bad guy to know where I'm coming or something. Obviously you do them every time. Obviously I'm sure some citizens come out. How often do does that turn into any kind of problem by, by making the announcements that are quite frankly required to be made? Uh, very, we get more, we get more, we get more uh, success from giving the announcement than we do not giving the announcement. Sure. So, and that's just because it puts it, lets everyone know that something's going on. And it becomes, and, and it, again, if that becomes your norm or your culture, you do this all the time, your citizens start learning through the culture too. Yeah. Oh, the police cars are blocking the streets off. Yellow tape's going up. There's a helicopter overhead. They have a suspect running around and they stay inside. It becomes a norm thing for them as well. You know, but address that with them. And if they do come out, okay, stop and talk to them real quick. Get your dog yeah. to your side, get your dog back to your side. Stop and talk to them because they may have a story for you. You know, yeah. we're real big on our coppers not telling people, go back inside your house. Whoa, whoa, time yeah. out. Why are they coming out to you? Do you know? The suspect could yeah. be inside their house. They're coming to tell you. The suspect could be in their backyard. They're coming to tell you. They could have got a call from the neighbor two doors down saying she sees a suspect in her house, in her yard. Ex- Anything. Exactly. Get their story yeah. and then explain what they're doing. Put them back inside. Here's the thing. There is no rush. There is no hurry. Exactly. There, there, there's no rush. There's no hurry. Yeah. Take our time and let's get this thing done right and, and, and package safely and we all go home at the end of the day. Yep, exactly. So so now you've, you, you've done your, you've got there, you, you're out. Um, we're going to talk real briefly before we wrap up this, this uh, episode. Um, what's your pattern? You Say if it's a, a one block perimeter and you said sometimes you're going to put four teams out. Yes. Just kind of briefly explain who, who's going where on that. So what we'll do is we'll say we have K-9-1, K-9-2, K-9-3, and K-9-4. They're going to kick their dogs off. If the suspect was seen closer to one of the ends of the block, then we're going to put K-9-1 on one street. So he'll say, let's say he's on uh, First Street, and then K-9-2 will be on his backside on Second Street. And working towards K-9-1 will be K-9-4, on First Street and working towards K92 on Second Street will be K93. So two dogs working towards each other on one side of the block and two dogs working towards each other on the other side of the block. And basically what happens is these dogs work, these teams work in concert with each other. So K91 will go in and clear one yard. As he comes out, K92 will clear the yard to his backside. So what we're basically doing is doing a squeeze play on the suspect. Sure. To put this guy and get this guy in, in custody. Now let's say the suspect was seen in the middle of the block, especially a long block. Well on that block we may elect to put, instead of four dogs, 
we may put eight dogs. We put two dogs mid-block on one side, two block, two dogs mid-block on the other side of that, uh, on their backside, and then two dogs working towards each of those two teams. We may split up there if they have a really long block. You know, sure. again, that's that's going to be just, that's going to be that's going to de- be decided by how, again resources, how many folks we have yep. working at night, and so on and so forth. But the idea, yeah. though, is that as we clear, we're buying real estate. So I clear one yard. The dog on my backside clears the other yard. We just bought those two yards. And now I'm going to jump to the next yard and so on and so forth. But the other good thing about that is, let's say I get in the yard and my dog gets sent. He's getting interest. We don't find a suspect. I can tell the dog on my backside, hey, K91 and K92, just so you know, my dog's in a lot of uh, interest coming from your side of the yard, your, your side of the block. You know, just a heads up. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna grab cover and back out and hold cover and containment on this side while you set your yard. Let us know when you're done. So they can copy, they can communicate back and forth to uh, get this guy into custody safely. Perfect. So I, I I always try to keep these a little bit short. But I think uh, people that listen to us know that. So we're gonna probably wrap up. Uh, I think we've got a lot of stuff covered on this episode. We're gonna wrap it up. And if I can bug you one more time, and I because I want to spend a little time talking about. At the search, uh, what what are the tactics once we find the suspect? Absolutely. Yes, sir. So we'll wrap this one up. Uh, obviously, like I keep uh, mentioning, hitsk9.net will give you all the information for uh, HITS 2020 in Phoenix. Uh, Mike will be there teaching uh, a lot about perimeters and tactics and some of their experience. And uh, again, like I mentioned in this episode, that even if you don't have a gigantic department, a ton of resources, hopefully you're getting some ideas out of this of, you know, you can modify some of what you do towards towards working towards some better tactics. Uh, what, whether you have a bunch of stuff or not, uh, we can all improve somehow. So hopefully this is just food for thought about what you can do in your situation. And obviously your department, your situation dictates what, what all you can do. But hopefully people are thinking about this. So check out hitsk9.net for the information about hits. Uh, my contact information is uh, emails jeff at hitsk9.net. And I'll put Mike's contact information in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Mike, I'm sure he'd be happy to, to answer any questions or give you some more uh ideas. Thanks again, Mike. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Always welcome, sir. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.